this morning the topic is discipline. So you're like super excited. Yay, that's so fun to talk about discipline. Well, today I hope that you walk away with something that makes you actually excited about discipline because our goal is not trying to create little robots. Our goal is to, well, let's talk about what our goals are in just a minute. Okay. So let's see if I get this first one right. Okay. So just to give you a little background on who I am, I've been at mom to mom for like 18 years with a little break in the middle. <laughs> this is about what my kids look like when I started mom to mom So I'm super grateful for mom to mom because it really poured into me for so many years. And this is uh, this Christmas kind of what they look like now, a little morphing going on there. So this is what happened uh, a couple weeks ago. My oldest is just got engaged and so now our family is going to start looking like this and so in other words i'm still very much learning you know we talk about mother-in-laws the difficulty of them or whatever i'm going to be one of those i've got to figure that out so i'm really glad i still have mom to mom so i can be learning from those ahead of me who've been there and done that so um just kind of giving you a little perspective on uh me and my background and What I'm about to present today is coming from a place of um, obsession. (laughs) I was like five years old when I thought that I was the boss of all the little children. Like I thought that I was the mom, like all the kids were coming over so that I could take care of them. I was obsessed with kind of parenting even when I was a little girl. And so um, it grew into me being an education major and studying psychology and I just love reading books, watching things, learning about being a good parent. I don't know why God made me that way, but that's, that's how I am. And so what I want to talk about today is coming from a place of a lot of thought, a lot of thought. Doesn't mean I'm right, but I hope that there's something that you can glean from what I say today that um, encourages you. Maybe it says, hey, I'm going in the right direction already. I, I'm feeling pretty good about what I'm doing. Or maybe also it gives you an idea of something new that you want to try to implement to maybe grow your children in a better way, in a new way. Hopefully, maybe a little new idea. Um, I've heard so many talks on discipline before, and the only reason that I kind of raised my hand and offered myself to talk today on the topic of discipline was because I always listened to discipline talks and was just waiting for them to say the thing that I felt like they needed to say, and I kept waiting for them to say it, and they didn't say it. And so I'm here today to say some of those things that I kept thinking needed to be said when we talked about discipline, so it's a little different than maybe what you've heard before. I hope it resonates with you. I also really hope that you have a soft heart today to listen to something, yet take it with a grain of salt. Like, I'm having to talk about the huge topic of discipline in 30 minutes. Good luck, right? I'm not going to say everything there is to say today on the topic, so I'm just touching some high points. I'm not even able to give you all the examples I want to give you that that beef some of these ideas out, because I'm just trying to get the the ideas in your head and maybe a few examples along the way. So um, hopefully this will still um, resonate with you, even though we can't cover everything. I do know it's the hardest job parenting is long road. It's exhausting. Um, The mistakes that you make with a long road are going to be less costly because the road is long. 
right? I mean, it's not going to happen. If you make one little mistake, it's, there's a lot more grace in that because it's a long road. You're going to make mistakes along the way. So dissolve yourself of the thought that there is perfect parenting. You can't do it. You're going to make mistakes along the way. God's grace will help us through that. And your kids will be fine. But the work that we're going to do in parenting is worth it. It is worth it. It really, really is. Um, so let's go forward. What is God's purpose for your kids? Do you remember when um, 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 Lori Wetmiller talked about, she and her husband talked about your goals, and y'all kind of talked about what you're going to do with your kids and what do you want them to be and all that. Well, what are your parenting goals? What is it you want them to look like? And so if that's what you want them to look like, then, then what are we going to do to get them there? Okay, that's really what discipline is. Is helping your kids get to that end goal of what you want them to look like. So it's not manipulation, it's just guiding them and helping them along the way. Um, so if your goal is for your children to live with you for the rest of their lives and to be dependent on you and sit up in their room and play video games all day and scream at you for not bringing them their drink, I mean, go for it. Keep doing nothing. You'll be great. They'll do that. But if you're looking for self-disciplined children, not parent-disciplined children, but self-disciplined children, if that's maybe an end goal, if you want them to have a godly character, people who love the Lord and want to make a difference in the world, then you probably want to work on discipline, right? That, those goals are what you're shooting for. So what are we going to do to get them there? When they're an infant, when they're a teen, when they're, um, you know, even 20s, you know, my kids are older, I'm still doing parenting things. So we can do unwise parenting or we can do wise parenting. So which one do we want to do? Well, let's just make sure we know what wise, unwise parenting is so we know what we don't want to do. So controlling parents and passive parents, man, we see a lot of this. Controlling parents the ones that like to tell everybody what to do and they bark the orders, that's not what we want to be. It's, it is an easy way to control your children. I mean, they got the smocked clothes, they are walking like this, they're doing great, and they get in the car and they're like, Wah! right? That's not what we're after, okay? We're not looking for perfect children, so controlling them might not be our best method. You controlling parents produce low self-esteem children, um, stress, increases creativity disappears they have fear of failure they are not self-reliant they become very reliant on their parent and i literally know a college kid who can't decide if she's going to the library to study or stay in her apartment to study and it will just cripple her to make this decision what and i found out her mom is super super controlling she, like, tells her everything to do, and that is not helping her. She is always struggling to make decisions. That's not what we want for our kids. Um, passive parents. We see tons of this in the world. Do you just see this all the time? I don't know in y'all's world you see it. I see it a ton. And parents around me and my community, it's a lot of um, hands-off, laissez-faire, you know, like, <laughs> you do you. Whatever feels good, do it, Right? I mean, sure, if you feel like that's a good idea, I think that'll be great. Why would we do that? You know, like you have life experience. You know what works and doesn't in a lot of ways. Share that with your kids. You want that in their lives too. Um, so 
I said a really strong statement here. This is not biblical. This passive parenting is not biblical. It doesn't work. Um, it's foolish, and it's bordering on neglect. You know, when you just kind of let the kids do whatever they feel, that's not a good idea. The results are not going to come. Maybe the way that you're parenting goals for the, the result is that you want. Um, it really is like a child, like a boat in an ocean without a rudder. They're just kind of floating. They don't know what's next. Okay, so how are we going to do this? How do we want to be a wise parent? Well, these are just uh, quick tips, precursors to being a wise parent. We need to set our child up for success. We want to be as consistent as possible, and we want to partner with our spouse. So setting our child up for success, this is like the biggest part of my talk, and I'm going to hone in a lot on this, but setting your child up for success is looking for them to win, not looking for them to fail, right? And so you wouldn't think this is the topic of discipline conversation, but really what I think the most important thing is about discipline is not having to do much of it eventually because I'm looking for them to be self-reliant, self-controlled, really looking towards God for his control and his guidance. Right now, it's me, the parent, helping guide them. Okay, so set your child up for success. Honestly, um, it's the most effective form of discipline and most successful. Um, just it's, And I'll talk more about it in a minute about the environment, but it's just like an attitude in your home where you are happy and you are with them, you are for them, and you are fighting for them to be great. You're not looking around like, did you do that again? I told, if I told you once, I told you twice, you know, no, we all feel it. We have those moments, but check yourself and go, gosh, is my kid trying to be mean or are they just being forgetful right now? And you're wanting to grow them into being less forgetful, but then you would say like, hey, I noticed you keep forgetting to do that. How could I help you with that? Or what could we do to maybe change you remembering things a little bit better? That would help me a lot. See how that seems like a team and that you're setting them up for success rather than always finding them fail failing. <clears throat> Be consistent. I think you know that. I mean, honestly, like, okay, here's an example of being consistent. Let's say that you have an infant and you are trying to teach them to be able to go to sleep and soothe themselves. They're, let's say, six months. I'll be generous. So you've got your six-month-old. They've been sleeping with you up until this point, and then you're like, okay, this, it is time for them to go to bed and go into their room and cry. They're going to cry in the middle of the night. They wake up crying, and you're like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. Yes, we feel that. Like, our heart races. Like, what do we do? We're like, okay, I think they can do it. They end up crying and then going to sleep, and they self-soothe. They came up with a way to put themselves to sleep. Okay, sweet. Awesome. Night two. Okay, I know they can do it. They did it last night. The baby starts crying. And you're like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. Do I go in? What do I do? <sighs> okay, I'm going in. I'm going to get them. Ah, you weren't consistent. You knew they could do it last night. So now you just slowed the process down. So now you got to do like three more nights of being consistent. You, you shot yourself in the foot. Okay, just do it. Just, oh, just, they did it last night. They can do it tonight. They can do it tomorrow night. Okay, just do, I, I found my kids, it was like three straight nights of horribleness for me where they like cried, blah, 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 but they kept getting themselves back to sleep. They kept self-soothing, and I was looking at them. I knew they weren't, you know, hurt or whatever, but 
they're fine. They did it. And I never had to handle them unless there was a throw-up night again, right? So really, being consistent is helping you. They learn fast. It's really behaviorism. If any of y'all study psychology, I mean, behaviorism works, you know. Partnering with your parent. I've got one more story to tell you about this. Um, so my daughter, she's my middle child, and um, she's just like strong-willed. <laughs> And three years old, she was a struggle. And so I was like, all right, Michael, you and I, we got to win this thing. What do we want from this child? This strong will is good. We, want, we don't want to break her spirit, but we can't have this kind of madness going on in this house. She is not running this place. She is three. She cannot run this place. Okay, so we kind of got our game plan together and decided, like, what, what we expected. Communicated that to her as much as a little three-year-old could understand but then we just started doing it, right? So I remember no specifics about what it was that day that was a struggle, but it was like exhausting struggle fighting her, you know, fighting her, just like trying to make sure whatever it was we were working on was gonna, I was gonna win, I was gonna be consistent, I was not gonna give in. My husband comes home and I was like, oh my gosh, thank heavens you're here. I am exhausted, she's about to win. Like, I, I'm done, I can't win this anymore, I'm about to give in. And he's like, oh no, mm -mm, we're not giving in. I was like, awesome, can you take over? And he's like, got it. So I go in my bedroom for like 30 minutes probably. I, I could hear in the other room total fun happening, you know? And I'm like, what? This is crazy. I walk out. They're having a good old time together. They're climbing on dad, rolling around, tickle. He's stirring the soup that I had started. I mean, life was going great out there. He did it his way, but he still didn't let my daughter win whatever it was that was happening. So he didn't do it my way. Don't try to control your husband to do it your way. Just know that you're on the same team on what your goal is that you're doing and just let it go and let them do it and just be so grateful for the moments that they can step in for you. Maybe you step in for them sometime when they need it and when they're in control. When they're in control. I have a really dry mouth. I guess I'm like really excited. Okay. Wise parenting. This, these are the six things that I want us to talk about and I'm going to have to fly through them, but Number one, create a relationship. Number two, build the same team mindset. Number three, set boundaries. Number four, communicate um, your expectations, reward successes, and implement con consequences. Okay, number six. Isn't that what, number six is the discipline talk, right? Number six. That's what I should be talking about. I, I just don't think number six is the most effective way to discipline children. If you do one through five well, you won't have to do number six much. You will when they're little. You're going to do a lot of number six when they're little. But by the time they're 15, maybe not much. Way less. Way less. Um, okay, so we're going to kind of shoot through. Oh, thanks. That's a great idea. Appreciate that. All right. So, all right, we're going to, I've got a lot of little buttons I have to hit here. So creating relationship, number one, rules without relationship breeds rebellion. Isn't that true? Have you ever had a boss that was super controlling? They were just hyper all up in your business and just controlling everything? I mean, didn't you just kind of hate them? You just like wanted to find a way to not do what they wanted you to do, you know? When you like go skiing, you get to the top of the mountain and you see that fence and it's like, don't go past here. I mean, what do you want to do? 
go to the fence, right? I mean, it's, there's a rebellious heart in us, or maybe it's just me, but there's a rebellious heart in us. And so if we are trying to control our children, set no rules, this is how it goes, kids. I mean, they're just going to rebel. Um, go down to the honor approach at the bottom, the honor approach to guide our hearts. Have you ever heard the little story about a teacher taking a child and like, Johnny, sit down, sit down. Johnny's like, sit down, Johnny, sit down. Johnny's like, mm -mm. sit down. Johnny sits down. Looks up at the teacher and said, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> right? Isn't that that rebellious heart? That is not what we want in our kids. We can control them to do the behavior. We can control them to look really good going to church. But if we're not honoring them in such a way that we are working on their heart, then they are doing the function, but they are not wanting it inside, and it will come back out. Don't you know people who go off to college and their kids are like hellions? Don't you think that probably the parents were like, and look, like they all have free will and choice and all that. So we can't judge every child's behavior on the parents, right? But there is some truth to the fact that a lot of times rebellious children are stemming from parents who are trying to over control them. Um, Okay, so what can we do to create a relationship with our kids? I think you know, know and love your child. Know them, know what they like, know what they want. Just know them, right? But treating your child with respect is something that we tend to avoid or not realize we're doing. We do this little baby talk like, now we're not going to do that. Da, 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 da. Like my children have told me that they were very glad that I was a mom that didn't baby talk because I always, I don't know why I did that, but I just thought of them as an adult that was just super small. You know, it's like they're great. They don't have life experience I have. They don't have all the brain cognition going on and all the things that happen as we get older. And they're super short, but they really are adults. They're humans just like you and me, and they're just figuring the world out, and you're guiding them through it. So um, one of the things that I found was really, really good was, um, especially at church, when we would go up to church, Steve Geyer was great at it. Greg um, Moffat was great at it. They would always see my kids, and they would do this. Hey, how are you doing? Michael, it's so good to see you. Whatever, okay? I started implementing that, and they love, my kids love them. Why? Did they say anything special to them? Did they play toys with them? No. They just looked at them in the eye, their height. It made such a difference. And so I started doing that at home. And I was like, whenever my kid was getting really upset, I would get down on my knees and I'd get eye to eye and I'd hold their hands. And I'd say, what's going on? Why are you so upset? And then listen. You know, just listen to what they're saying. Because a lot of times they're going to tell you what the root of the real problem is. You thought it was blah, 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 but actually it was blah, blah, blah. Okay? Just listen to them. And guess what? Even if they can't verbalize it well, just the sheer fact that you were eye to eye with them on this level, instantly they respected you because they felt known, they felt loved, they felt seen. So just get eye to eye with them and listen to them. Um, correct them in private. Okay, my sister-in-law did this super well one time. I had no kids. She, um, we were out on a ladies' luncheon, and her daughter was with us. The first grandbaby was with us. And so Lauren was sitting there in her high chair, and she just started acting bad, like throwing things. I don't even remember. But she was kind of giving a little fit, giving a little attitude. 
And my sister-in-law, Jackie, looked at her and was like, <coughs> excuse me. And she just picks Lauren up, takes her into the bathroom. And I could see Lauren's face. She, I mean, um, Jackie's face, my sister-in-law, she was mad. She was real mad. She was like, none of that. So I was thinking, ruh Lauren is going <coughs> to. So they go into the bathroom. They come back out, and I was definitely expecting baby Lauren to get back in that little high chair and be like, mad or behaving that bad again. No. She got back in that high chair and she was like, she was like genuinely happy and like did everything right. I was like, oh my gosh, Jackie is like a wizard, like a miracle worker, what? So I kept going, Jackie, what did you say to her? What did you do that you just changed that totally around and she's happy? And she was kind of like, I don't know. I I mean, you know what? I think she did. She really couldn't ever verbalize it, but I've watched her over the years and how she parented. And I really think that she knew her children. She loved her children. She got on eye to eye with her children. She held their hands. She listened to them. And then she told them what she expected. Like, hey, you know what? At this ladies' dinner, if you'd like to join us, you are going to do this, this, and this. Ladies are going to be quiet when blah, 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 blah. Everyone here is eating. We're going to behave this way. If you'd like to stay with us, then you're going to behave that way too. If you're not, I'm going to take you home. We're not doing that. Or I'm going to take you, you know, whatever. Whatever the punishment was for her. But it was enough to change Lauren's attitude, not just her behavior. You know, she didn't come back in angry. She changed her full um, attitude. Okay, uh, validate their feelings. Um, Have y'all ever thought about your teenage 14-year-old who um, has their first love? And you're like, oh, that's so stupid, that's so cute. <laughs> and you're like, you're going to get hurt, it's not love, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Don't have that attitude. It's their very first time. Just because you've been jaded doesn't mean they have to be jaded, okay? Yes, they're going to, like, fall in love and break up and all of that 17 more times. But they don't have to know that today. And I, guess what? At 14, I did fall in love. I'm married to him. It's possible, you know? Um, I know that's really weird to think of if you have a 12-year-old. But, like, you know, it's true. So don't, so just validate their feelings, listen to them, and don't demean them and act like you don't know anything. Honestly, that honors them, and that treats them with respect, and they're going to treat you with respect later when you really need them to listen to you because they know you love them. Okay, um, same team. Okay, oh, by the way, say you're sorry. If you're wrong, just tell them you're sorry. They will respect you for that. Okay, this is huge point number two. Build the same team mindset. This has to be probably my primary go-to disciplinary tool. <laughs> what, this is discipline? Yes. If you are on the same team with your children, then it's not... You versus them. Ah, blah, blah, blah. I told you, you're not supposed to blah, 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 blah. It's you with them. So you two together are fighting the world. It's you versus the world. You and your child versus the world. We all know it's always Satan, but you two are teaming up together. So it really is a mindset that you need to have. You might have to change your mindset a lot and then start working on it with your children and talking to them in the we, like, hey, I see that you're struggling with that. You know what? We, we need to work on that. What do you think we could do? 
It's really a we conversation because you're in the mud and the thick of it with them. It's still their issue, but you're with them battling through it, and you're going to help support them and guide them through it. It's a we conversation. Um, I talked to Griffin <laughs> last night, and I was like, hey, Griff, is it okay if I use an example about you tomorrow? And he's like, well, what are you going to say? And I said, you know, about basketball? He goes, mom, you doing me like that? <laughs> I was like, please. <laughs> um, so Griffin, my youngest, was he just had a temper. Like, he's... My children call him Jesus. That's rude and bad, I know. But they, like, he's super, super sweet, a wonderful kid. But he did struggle with temper. He really thought that he was supposed to be perfect at playing basketball. And he was, like, five, and we had, you know, the huge goal up there. And his brother was shooting it. His brother's four years older. His dad's shooting it. He thinks the very first shot, he should make it, you know. And over and over again, he's not making it. He's not making it. And he's just livid. He's just furious and just angry I mean rage coming out of this kid I'm like is basketball it's not a big deal but for him it's a big deal he is really mad and this this is true about a lot of things in his life this is just the one example but anger over not being perfect the first time so how do we make that a we conversation well he comes in too angry to talk we kind of send him to his room calm down we'll talk about it in a little while he comes down he's still angry but less so he can maybe listen at that point and I was like hey man you know like I'm worried about this for you you're really struggling with this anger thing but you understand that you can't be perfect at basketball the first try you've got to work hard at things do you think LeBron James just first shot no he's worked years and years and years to develop skills you're not going to do this overnight Take time. Have patience with yourself. Forgive yourself. So I'm on your team. How can we work on this together? What can we do so that you don't get rid of that fire in your gut? Because that fire in your gut's awesome. It's going to make you an incredible man. You just need to work on, and I'm going to help you with it, honing that in to use that fire in your gut for good and not beat yourself up over it. So... It took years and years and years. And then in high school, he's up to bat, you know, in these pressure situations and all this stuff. And he's not ha pitching a fit. He doesn't have a temper when he strikes out. You know, he stays calm. He uses it for his next at bat because he's going to win, right? But it's the we conversation of still working. I'm going to skip the next one. The we conversation of still working on um, controlling things but us helping him with it and monitoring that all right number oops three setting boundaries clear boundaries bring security so there's a study that happened where some landscape artists were trying to um, um, decide how they were going to set the playground up and so they were deciding are we going to put a big fence up in the playground in the middle are we going to do no fence like what are we going to do so they did a study of two different options and what they found was this, the playground with no fence, all the children were gathered around the teacher and they kind of stayed close by. They just didn't play much and they were kind of clinging to the teacher. Well, that didn't work. That's not the idea of the playground. So the other playground with the fenced-in area, the kids ran wild and free and they hit the edges of the fence and they were all in the playground and they were having a good old time and the teacher was also having a good time because they were all playing. So the moral of that story is, the playground with fences gives us security, gives us freedom. We become more creative, and we let loose when we know what our edges are. Our children want to know the edges. 
They want to know what's right. They want to know what's wrong. And just tell them. Just make it consistent. Just tell them what the edges are. That actually makes them creative and free. It's a hard concept to understand, but that boundary is actually freeing for them. Um, I threw a few examples of some things that we do. We've said as boundaries, just as an example, like we, be, we are respectful to one another even when we're angry. So like you can't go in the house and yell and scream and cuss and hit things and damage house and whatever. You can't do that when you're angry. It's fine to be angry. That's totally fine. But you just still have to be respectful to me and to your brother and your sister and our house, blah, blah, blah. So there's some more examples in there just of ideas of boundaries that we set in our household. Um, and we didn't, like, know offhand, like, this is a boundary. But as we ran into things, we'd be like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We say things like, the sorrows never quit or the sorrows, you know, we have phrases that we say. And they kind of know, like, yeah, that, that's not nice. You know, we're not going to do that. Okay. Communicate your expectations. So, you know, in Ephesians 6, 1, it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. We want to be able to tell our children that they have to obey. It's just the way that, that you're telling them, the way you're communicating it, the way you're doing it, is not with a heavy fist. It is with love. So they just need to know what you want. Um, I have some uh, different examples of expectations, like, hey, we're going to hold hands with an adult when we're in the parking lot. Okay, you can tell them why and all the things. It's just an expectation. Um, I'm just going to jump on down to uh, setting expectations in advance, role-playing. So this one is huge, huge with parenting. If you can set some expectations in advance, kind of tell them the story of what's about to happen before they go into it, you're setting them up to win, and you're not looking for them to fail. They didn't know that they couldn't run in the grocery store to the other aisle while you were on this aisle they maybe they didn't know right so just tell them hey you know what we're about to go into the grocery store i really need to get some groceries is there a chance you guys could help me like i really need some help did you notice we're out of milk are y'all starting to get hungry and you want some we need to do that so um hey remember when we're in the grocery store other people are here too and we kind of need to be quieter and so we don't disturb them because they're getting their groceries too. And I need y'all to stay in the cart so I don't lose you. And um, that also will help me get the groceries really fast so we can get home and play. So you put them on the same team as you, right? And you still told them what you needed them to do. And you can tell them what the consequence is in advance if you want to. But I tended to not because then it made them think about, well, if I do this, then that consequence isn't too bad. I just didn't even tell them the consequence. I just told them what I expected, and then we did it. But if they didn't do what I asked them to do, I would just verbally remind them. I'm not going to spank them or something because they did that one thing wrong. I'm just going to remind them, hey, hey, remember, I need you to help me. Oh, yeah, okay. Because they respected me. They knew I respected them. They wanted to please me. It works. I mean, not always. There was definitely discipline involved. But, you know, ideally, most of the time, it did work just like that. Um, going to a restaurant, hey, we're going to go out to dinner as the family, and I'm really excited. Are you excited? I love Mexican. I'm so tired of cooking. Aren't you excited to, you know, hear the band at the Mexican restaurant? It's going to be so fun. Um, when we're there, by the way, other people are eating too, so we want to make sure that we're nice and quiet and just talk to our table. Oh, you know, we don't throw food. We don't do that at home, but we're not going to do it at the restaurant either. Oh, when we're eating, you might finish your food earlier than me, but I'm, I'm going to need you to wait. We're not going to crawl under the table. 
We're not going to get out of our, car, our high chair. I'll bring you some toys so you can play. But, like, they know in advance at a restaurant they stay in their high chair until I am done eating. There were, I would say, probably two times where we went to a restaurant. It wasn't going well. They were going wild. And we reminded them what we expected, like, we can't do this. And you know what? My husband had to take them to the car, put them in the car. I waited for the to-go order. We got in the car. We went home. So sometimes we suffer for their bad behavior. But look, the next time we went, maybe it took twice for that to happen. I don't really remember. It's all a blur. But it didn't happen much anymore. They knew. We meant it. And so that was just like sticking to it and like, hey, guys, we're not going to behave like that. That's rude to the other people in this restaurant. We're not going to do that. You know, I don't want to be hitting the kids up off the floor. You know, so just telling them, okay, church, this was a really good, my, my uncle, my aunt and uncle told me the see, speak, smile when my children were little. And it was like game changing. And my kids still talk about it today. I said, you know, we're going to church today, so when we go in, you know everybody wants to talk to you guys when you're walking down to go into the childcare room, and it really is overwhelming. All these huge humans looking down at these little children, and they're looking up and like, you know, going to the, oh, what is going on? All these people fussing at me. So we talked about it. They're just trying to be nice to you, so I want you to see, speak, and smile, and I'll give you a dime every time you do it. They're like, really? They, now, I told my kids this before this talk, and they're like, you did not pay us. I do not remember that. But then I told, I promise, I'm not lying. We did do that. But I think I only had to tell them I'd pay them once. Past that, they got it. I didn't have to say it again. But we just reminded them, when you see someone that talks to you, you see them, look them in the eyes, speak, hi, smile. That's it. They're three. They can do that. And to, to this day, my older children now walk into a room of people, and they, are, they had learned that experience and grew it and grew it and grew it. They are not the wallflower against, they may not be the, you know, the star of the show, but they, they are not uncomfortable to come into an environment and talk to other people. And do, don't you know so many teenagers who cannot speak to an adult? They just go back to their phone. Just see, speak, smile. Start today. See, speak, smile. It's simple give them you probably have to give them something more than a dime they might not even know what a dime is you're like I'll Venmo you five bucks you know like okay all right um the bottom one is pretty rough real obedience is immediate joyful and complete Woo, that's rough um I don't know if I was great at that in my household I think there was a lot of complete often not joyful, very often not immediate. So I definitely could have done that better. But a friend of mine did that with their children a lot, and they have pretty dang amazing kids. I think it's, it's a good one. So if that one resonates with you, you might want to start saying that in your household. You know? um, again, on communicating expectations, um, sometimes you just need to guide them on a correct response. If they have difficulty understanding something, or they're, they're having difficulty with their emotions, um, maybe just help them understand what is okay with you on how to respond. So this, again, is just expect, setting some expectations. Hey, um, look, I can see you're really angry. You want to count to 10? You want to do that count to 10 thing? Breathe. Okay. 
what is it you wanted to tell me? Calm it down a little, right? Um, teenagers, you know, you're having this terrible conversation with them coming into the house. Look, mom, hey, I'm, I'm just really mad right now. Can you just give me a few minutes in my room and I'll come back? Like, I'm just mad. And they're going to say something they don't mean or they don't want to say. You're going to say something you don't want to say. It escalates and goes up and it's a crazy madhouse. Just de-escalate by telling them what your expectations are of being angry, of being mad. Calm it down before you have those logical conversations. It's very hard to be logical when you're hyper-emotional and your heart is racing. Um, a whiner. I, I don't know. Like, I was a teacher, and I just, like, have very, uh, this doesn't work well for teacher, but I have very low tolerance for a lot of noise. Why was I a teacher then? But, I mean, that is what teachers deal with all day, but I have a very low, big crowd noise tolerance. And so, I tended to have very low noise tolerance for my own children. I had to alter my expectations a little bit of what normal was. I did a lot. But um, I did hate whining so, so, so much. Like, oh, I don't want to go. What do we want to do? Oh, that makes me crazy. So I was like, I cannot hear you. I didn't know what you're saying. You're whining. I cannot understand whining. When you're done whining, Come back and let me know what you're saying. I cannot understand you. And it wasn't what they said. It's how they said it. It's the tone of voice. Like, even if they say the same thing and it's nice, if the tone is like, stop it. We don't do that. So we don't have to say a big, you know, big discipline. Just, hey, we're not going to whine. I can't even hear you when you do that. Um, homework. Older kids. Homework. They come down. Mom, I need help with um, some math. Okay, great. Um, yeah, sure. Let's sit down and do it. You start helping them, and they're like, oh, "No, my teacher does not do it that way." How many times have any of y'all heard that? Yeah, you have older kids. My teacher doesn't do. That's not how they teach it. You're wrong. Okay, all right. Hey, I don't know how your teacher teaches it, but what I'm showing you is true, and it works. And I'm happy to help figure it out with you if you like. Oh, okay, mom. Thanks. Okay, let's say it went that way. What if they go? No, I don't think you know what you're doing or whatever. They just get attitude with you. Don't do it. Please just don't put up with attitude. Don't be disrespected that way. You don't disrespect them that way, so you don't, ex don't allow them to disrespect you that way. Okay, hear that. Don't allow your children to disrespect you. Okay, hear that. You could say, hey, you know what? I understand that you don't want my help right now, so go for it on you. But if you would like some homework help, come on back. I'm happy to dig in with you on it. Again, we're a team. I want you to win. I want you to understand the math. I want to help you. But I have jobs to go do over here. And so I'm not going to go do those jobs. You know, I'm going to go do those if you're not going to respectfully allow me to help you. I'm not going to fight you on it. This is your job, but I'm here to help you if you want it. Okay. Um, so the wise appeal, you might want to say, hey, you teach your child to say something like, hey, I understand you want me to cut the grass. And I just got home from a long day of school. I understand, Mom, that you want me to cut the grass. I kind of have a problem with that because I'm so tired. Um, could I please have like an hour break and then do it for you? Okay, see how that is so respectful? Maybe just teach your child how to do it. Now, is this going to happen the first time? No. 
Okay, I see you. Okay, um, reward success. It's the most effective reward when they win, when they do it right. Hey, thank you so much for helping your brother. I didn't even ask you to help him get ready. Thank you for that. That was so helpful. Um, Implement consequences. This is number six. This is what we should have been doing the whole time for discipline, right? No. This is, yes, you're going to have to do this, but you're not going to want to be doing this much. Find the root of the problem if you can. That way you're disciplining the right thing. Use reminders when you can. Maybe they just forgot. Oh, um, I'm coming up to see if Michael's ready for school. I hope he's getting ready for school. You go up. Oh, look at there. He's getting ready for school. Just use a reminder instead of, I told you to get ready for school. If they're hungry and tired, you it, that's on you. Okay, if you take them to the grocery store and they're hungry and tired, you are not allowed to discipline them the normal way you would. Okay, your fault. Try not to take them to the grocery store when they are hungry and tired. Loosen your expectations and the consequences when you set them up for failure. Your fault, okay? Yeah, it's going to happen. You still have to do it. You still have to take them when they're hungry and tired sometimes, but just know that you've got to alter your expectations a lot when you do that. Um, pay me now or pay me later. You're going to have to pay the price. Okay, paying the price to discipline my three-year-old daughter who is strong-willed was worth it. Because I'm telling you, when she was 13, did we have times where I sat down on my knees in the closet and cried and t- out to the Lord and said, help me. I remember that. <laughs> it still happened. But it was so quick. And she made a turn because her heart was right. And she's such a beautiful, I don't know why I'm crying. She's such a beautiful, lovely, God-fearing strong-willed woman, you know, and um, I'm glad I didn't let her win when she was three, because 13, she was just beautiful, and now she's 21, and she's not perfect, but she's awesome, you know, so it's worth it. Um, Last thing to say is implementing your consequences. If you can make sure the size matches the issue, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Make it swift if it can be immediately after the issue, the behavior, that's more effective. They remember it. It needs to happen right away. Painful. Okay, painful. That's a hard topic. We could talk a lot about it. I'm not going to. Something your child doesn't like. Painful might not mean a spanking. It might mean a spanking. That's you. I don't know. Maybe painful is a social child putting them in a corner and they don't have socialization. Maybe an active child needs to just sit. Whatever the pain is to them, you've got to find their currency, and it's different for each child. So you have to know your child and know what's painful for them. But if it's not painful, you're not changing the behavior, okay? Um, the method for implementing those consequences, stay calm. Don't get all upset. Your heart might be racing, but act chill, you know? You know, you just got to act like it's not bothering you. Um, explain what they did wrong. Explain what the consequence is. Put a time limit on that consequence, maybe four minutes for a four-year-old. Hey, you need to go sit in time out for four minutes, okay? And then when the timer goes off, come back and talk to me. What happened? Okay, you need to see their heart changing. If not, maybe they need a few more minutes in time out. But you need to see heart changing, not, be- not just the behavior changing, but the heart changing. Um, natural consequences would be the best method. You know, don't stand in the way of things happening to your child. 
if they have something come in their way, you need to let it happen, okay? Natural consequences are, is the best. And I'm going to just remember bullet number two, the consequence was the result of their choice, not yours, okay? You aren't the bad guy, so you don't have to feel bad. You don't have to solve the problem. You don't have to take the consequence or try to get them to avoid the consequence. Ah, you're missing it. Let the consequence happen to them. It will nip that problem in the bud, and you didn't even have to do it. It's, it's, it's the best, you know. You didn't have to be the bad guy. You're on their team, but don't stand in the way of the consequence happening. And I will say disappointment ended up being my strongest disciplinary tool. Gosh, I'm really sorry you did that. That really makes me sad. You know what? If you've taught them with respect, you love them, you've been on their team this whole time, you've taught them what you want them to do, and then they don't do it, and you tell them you're disappointed with what they did, their little heart. So if you're doing it right, implementing consequences just doesn't have to happen much. So last little story, Volkswagen. I'm just going to read this one. Volkswagen did an interesting experiment. 99% of the people exiting the underground rail system were using the escalator versus the stairs next to it. Overnight, Volkswagen changed their stairs into piano keys. The next day, the intrigue of the lyrical uh, stairs enticed the stairwalkers so much so that the escalator was often empty. Conclusion, make something fun and humans will often choose it. So you remember the story about my husband and me going in the bedroom and saying she's winning, and then he's out there playing wrestle, tackle, you know, donkey, all that stuff. Yeah, they're having fun, you know? And so make life fun, and honestly, they're going to want to please you, and they're going to want to choose it. Yes, you're going to have to implement consequences, but maybe less so if you do it now instead of waiting till later. The price later is a higher price. The price now, the younger they are, the smaller the price. It's not just about them not getting the cookie. It's about you teaching them the muscle and the exercise of self-discipline or self-control or waiting or patience. It's not about the cookie, right? It's about something bigger, okay? So I hope this was helpful to you. I hope that you pulled something away that you can implement in your Family, I hope you're encouraged by some things that you're already doing well. This is a big parenting job, and it matters. What you do today is worth it. Don't be disheartened. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Do it.